be like this. Uh, I don't know why I'm moving this time, but it'd be like this video I seen the other day with this guy called a mouse in a barracks on an army base. And the boy said, Why don't you just get him? No, he's one of God's creatures. Took him outside, took him, dumped him outside. The mouse made him about 30 feet in a hole, got him and flew off. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta Huh? I got the ops gotta eat too. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, uh, you know, that's the cycle of life. Yes, ma'am. How is Jean Lucas and all of them? Jean, Jean is, she's caught. She called me and she's, uh, she can breathe. She just, she said she gets these coughing spells, she gets a flame out. She said uh, she's just not going to anymore interrupt anybody. Uh, Robert and Diane are stuck at the beach. They just left today, this morning, going to the beach. Uh, Phyllis Black is doing good. Uh, uh, Donna Evans has got a kidney stone. Uh, her, son, her husband, Stephen, who had surgery, back surgery, uh, he's having a little issues. His legs are swelling to have surgery. So, but she said he was able to get out and buy today, so he was doing pretty good. So, um, Other than that, that's the latest that I know on everybody. Uh, Michaela uh, Webb, she starts chemo uh, on the 10th. And uh, Donna has her kidney stone. She has a kidney stone, and it's going to be crusty. I think not this Friday, but next Friday, because uh, it's too big to pass. So they're going to do the crusty thing. Um, I, I want to add uh, Pop. I want to add Tommy Grove to the prayer. Phyllis was here Sunday. Yep. Yep. Phyllis is fine. Phyllis is okay. Yep. Phyllis is fine. If they ever get her medication right, she'll be here every Sunday. But uh, sometimes they, they got it messed up and they messed up with her. Um, Did you say that? Tommy Grove. Grove? Yeah, D-R-O-B-E. Uh, boy I graduated high school with. Uh, he was our he was our star quarterback. Um, he married my cousin uh, seven years ago. He, he got a call. He was at work. And uh, he packed away with a heart attack. And, uh, so anyway, he's had some issues uh, with an infection that was in a sinus last year, uh, early last year, and um, it, some of the infection started to get toward his brain, so they had to do a whole lot to get there. And he's never really recovered, lost a lot of weight, so he's got an MRI this week to figure out what, what or cat scan MRI or something to figure out and see if that, if that infection has come back. And, and so just keep him in the He's a heck of a guy. I mean, he's a nice guy. You know, when we were kids in high school, we know that we're not. <laughs> you know, you have to get through your own. You know, he was, he was a quarterback, and I was a defense, I was a defense linebacker. So, you know, we didn't see things out of the way it was. But we're good friends. We were on the same team, but it was just practices that were rough. Uh, but anyway, with that being said, uh, let's go to the board and pray. Father God, I love you and I thank you for this day. Lord, I just ask you to forgive us of our sins and our shortcomings. Lord, we ask you to open up your word to us tonight. Lord, we lift up every one of these on the prayer list. The unspoken, uh, those that are uh, grieving, that have lost loved ones, those that are waiting for prognosis, and those that are starting procedures to heal their situation. Uh, Lord, we let's lift them all up. You know each circumstance. Lord, we're going to pray for those that are seeking you. We pray that you touch the hearts of those that are lost. Uh, Lord, we just, uh, we're excited. We're excited for the things that you're going to do. We're going to take this Sunday and we're going to take our, our, our disappointments and everything from last year. We're going to 
take them outside, we're going to burn them, Lord, and we're not going to think about them anymore. We're going to go forward serving you and watching you guide us through this year. Lord, we know that there's a lot of things that, that we've asked you to take away from us, but you've allowed us to call this bill to pass. Lord, we love you. ask you to open this up to us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Uh, I think we'll start in about verse 15. I think that's about where y'all wound up about the last time we were together. And so I'm going to start reading verse 15 and I'll go to verse 17 and then we'll ask that and we'll move on. So it says, uh, let me flip page here. Uh, it says, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to, uh, to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, I'm a father. The Spirit Himself hears, uh, the, Spirit, the, the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, and if heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, uh, if indeed we suffer with Him, uh, that we may also be glorified together. That's not packed in those three verses right there. Alright, so or, or two verses. So God has given us a spirit of adoption. Uh, we've been given the witness of the spirit. And so it says, if we've not received the spirit of bondage, uh, we were promised the gift of the Holy Spirit in, in the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 37. And we've received the spirit who is from God in 1 Corinthians 2.12. Now think about this. We were promised it, that if, you know, if you believe in me, you shall not perish. And I will give you a helper. God sent a helper to the, to the disciples. And every person who comes to salvation receives that helper. They receive the, the, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, right then. The moment they accept Christ. They're a new person. Got a new heart. They have to learn how to deal with that. The old things have passed away, but the residue is still there. So when you come when you come to Christ, think about it. When you come to Christ, you're brand new. You don't know jack squat. I didn't. And when you come to Christ, you don't know what? You don't know the lingo. You don't know the, the rules. You don't know the the, uh, the 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 habits that we do, the reasons that we do, the rituals that we do. We don't know any of that. We don't know any of that. And so we have to learn the reason behind these things. And so, we are no longer under the bondage of fear. The only fear that we should have should be a fear of, of, of it should be a holy fear of God. You know, I'm able to come before God, but I should have a respectful fear. It's like my dad. I remember I could go before my dad, my earthly father. Now, I, I was scared of him to a certain extent, but I wasn't scared of him to, to, to go to him and tell him things. I would tell him stuff. Sometimes he already knew what I was telling him before I told him. He was just glad I was telling him. But it was a respect. I didn't go to him and say, hey man, let me tell you something. No, I didn't, I didn't do that. You know, I said, Dad, I need to talk to you. And we sit down and we talk. I had respect. I had, there was an air of, of respect. There was an air of, of honor that I gave him. My mother-in-law, she talked about God. And then when she talked about her mother and her father, it was 
there was just a little bit less of that admiration there. And so she, she loved God. And she loved her mother and her father. And she honored them both and God. And she lived to be 102 years old. So, you know, uh, you know, the promise, you know, honor your father and your mother that your days may be long upon the earth, that your days may be long. She did. And uh, and so there all this, but we don't have a spirit of fear. I can go before God. Yes, I go before him trembling because I know I messed up. And we hate to go and admit we're wrong. Think about it. If you make a mistake, do you are you ready to run to the door and bust it up? Hey Sharon, let me tell you how I messed up today. No. No, you ain't gonna do that. You're gonna try to pick the moment when it when it's least least pressure, you know, you're gonna try to pick a moment when when you can kind of put it out there and and it, you're gonna get the least amount of response you want because we're trying to put our faults in the best light. God already knows our faults. He knows all of them. He knows the thoughts of of, of our faults. The reason we got that. And so uh there's a fear there, but it's a it's a it's a holy fear. You know, I have not got to the place like the scripture says, uh, I'm a father. I've tried. I'm trying to get there. I call him Father God, or dear Heavenly Father, but I haven't got to the place where I'm able to call him Abba. Now, and Abba is dad. Now I can go to my I can go to my earthly dad when he was alive, and daddy I didn't talk to. Dad, you know, and, and that's what I call it. He was my dad. We were, that was what he was. That's what he is. Uh, I hadn't got there yet with God because out of respect, I just don't, I, my relationship with him, I hadn't got that close. He may be expecting me to say that. He may be fine with me saying that. Out of respect, I hadn't got there yet. I, I long for the day that I'll be able to get on my knees and say, Dad, I need to talk to you. I just haven't got there yet personally. Uh, but we've been given the spirit of bondage. We've not been given the spirit of bondage. Second Timothy uh, chapter 1 verse 7 and said we've been released from the one who held us in bondage. Hebrews 2 14 and 15. Who held us in bondage? Sin. Who was controlling the sin? Or who was in charge of princes and the principalities and and, and, and flesh and blood at the time. Who were we running for? We were, we were, we were following God, uh, not God. We were following our own flesh, which in turn did what? Honor to Satan. And uh, and so uh, we received the perfect love that cast out fear. First uh, John four eighteen. We received the spirit of adoption. We've received the Spirit who tells us that we are the children of God. When's the last time you prayed and heard the Spirit telling you, my child? You felt like you were a child of God. When's the last time? I mean, think about that. Have, have you felt like that in a while? Romans 8, 16. We've been adopted. We are joint heirs with Christ. We're not going to be standing in the audience. We're going to be on the dead with God, judging the world. We're family members. We are family members. Uh, we have been adopted as sons and daughters by Jesus Christ. 
Ephesians 1 5. We're, we're no longer. See, there are no orphans with God. I'm a child of Christ. I'm Jesus' brother. You know, that's a pretty strong statement. Not only am I Jesus' brother, but y'all, ladies, you're Jesus' sister. It's changed here. Um, The fear throws us. Um, Paul's talking about that we have no more fear. And of course, the fear of God is the beginning of all wisdom. But something's changed here. It's all changed now with Jesus. That the fear he's talking about is fear of death because of the big capitalized S-I-N. The authority of sin is gone. It's gone. We no longer have to fear that. And so with the fear and it talks about the big capital S spirit and the little s spirit. And since we have the sonship, this is a spirit of Christ wrapped around our spirit, and we are now, it's changed. It's changed. We are sons of God. We are now sons. That hasn't happened prior to this in terms of the Old Testament days. It wasn't there. So now Paul is trying to unpack this for his uh, see all of those guys before Christ had been worshiping gods that were feared in the Middle East all of them were feared you had to do something for them to get some and now you can do nothing for your single the, the only God you can do nothing for him and suddenly the fear is gone the fear of the gods is gone and that is something he has to get across to them. It's changed. The Middle Eastern culture was God would punish you. You were suffering because of what you did wrong and God was punishing you. No longer. No. God came to say, to, to make you even a son, an, an heir. This, this, like you said, the three verses here explode with meaning that he is struggling to get across to the church at Rome. You guys don't have to worry. You don't have to worry because sonship, what is sonship? You know, Abba Father, how many times he uses that? Three times in the New Testament he uses Abba Father. One was when Jesus was in Gethsemane praying. Praying in an intimate fashion to his Father and Paul is bringing that intimacy with Father the God, who is the father, your Father, is Daddy. Yeah. Right down to the people in the Church of Rome saying, Daddy. That, that had to come across pretty powerful and pretty weird, if you will, to them because they had to call him Daddy. God's summoning fear, and he's trying to break this down. This is headed to love. Remember the last part of this, and I'm not going to head, but the things that separate you from God's love, you don't get there. Well, you're good at jumping ahead. No, you're good, you're good. We, we've received the Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance. Now, why does He tell us not, not to mess with the Holy Spirit? What does He tell us not to subdue it, right? Don't subdue, don't squash the Holy Spirit. Why is it? 
Because if you squash the guarantee of our inheritance, you don't hear the Holy Spirit, how can you respond to the Holy Spirit? If you don't hear the Holy Spirit and feel the Holy Spirit, how do you know when you're not when you're doing right or wrong? How do you know that what you're doing is hurting somebody? Other than the fact that you have some some earthly stuff, but that's why it's important for us to bear good fruit. Now we have a lot of people in the church and they look like an apple until you walk around the backside of the tree and it's got fangs like cobra. That apple on one side, cobra on the other side. That fruit ain't right. And so, so we have by the fact that the Holy Spirit is dying up is proof of our inheritance. That's the guarantee. If you when you sign your name and you put you take it by the house and you put the house up as collapse and you put a down payment on it, if you renege on that deal, your house is gone. The house is gone. The Holy Spirit is the guarantor of our inheritance. If we squash the Holy Spirit and get him out of us, which you can't do unless you never had him to start with, then you're going to live. Is proof of our inheritance. That's Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. We are able to cry, Abba, Father. We have received the Holy Spirit who enables us to cry, Abba, Father. Galatians 4 and 5. Uh, chapter 4, verse 5. We're able to cry out, God, help me. Father God, I need you. Things get bleak and get hard. Lord, I need you. Lord, why? Why have I had to go through this? Or plant. But who are you talking to? You're talking to God. You're talking to God. Without, yes, I'm a father. Without the Holy Spirit, you can't do that. You can call it out. Just to add into that, I'm a father is used in the adoption process only in Galatians and in Romans. It's the adoption. It's the, the Abba Father is when the Spirit, like you said, is, is connected with our Spirit. That's when He uses our Father. You know when you can mess up and get that feeling right there? I don't know about y'all, but it gets me right there making me stick on my thumb. That's the Holy Spirit. Just kicking me to Gary, you didn't do right. You didn't do right. But Gary, you don't need to do this. You know, uh, when I get a, a lot of, you, you need to step back. You need to be quiet, step back, and just listen and then what? Uh, starts right there. Right there. For me. And then my hand starts sweating. And that's when my hand starts sweating go with I'm gonna I, I, I got that back on. Uh, uh, God gave us his spirit to witness we are his children. By his spirit we know we're his children. We're the witness. The spirit bears witness with our spirit. How are you going to do good without the Holy Spirit? And here's the thing. There's a lot of people doing a lot of good stuff. And they're going to stand before God. And they're going to say, and God's going to, I don't know, just say, why are you here? Well, Lord, look what we've done. We've cast out demons. We've done this all in your name. He's going to say, depart from me for I never knew you. It's not about what you've done. It's not about what you're doing. It's about who you belong to and who you gave your heart to. Yeah. 
There's no such thing as religion. Religion is evil. Think about this. Religion is evil. Religion calls the crusade. Religion calls, calls the, uh, the, the Salem witch trials. Religion calls the inquisition. Religion. Christ came along and he hadn't talked about religion. It's a relationship. It's a relationship. Follow Jesus Christ. Yeah. That's it. Follow Jesus. Now, if you want to worship him as a Baptist, that's fine. If you want to worship him as a Methodist, that's fine. And, and but you need to have an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. And he said that essentially of the woman at the well. Yeah. You're not going to worship him up here in this mountain or us Jews down there in Jerusalem. You're going to worship him in spirit right here where you are. Right. So he, yeah, it's an intimate relationship. And this intimacy is the sonship. And all this comes together. One is coincidental with the reception of the Holy Spirit. Second, the spirit witnesses with our spirit. There has to be a truth there. It has to witness. And the third thing is experience of being led by that spirit. And that's the sanctification part of this whole thing. But we have the spirit who ministers and helps us in our weakness, Romans 8, 26. We ain't got there yet. We have the spirit in our heart as a guarantee. Second Corinthians 1, 22 and 5, 5. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, Ephesians 1.13. We're sealed. We're sealed. We are sealed by the Spirit until the day of redemption. Ephesians 4.30. We're either going to be called up alive, or we're going to be first at the grave. One of the two. The Spirit assures us that we are the children of God. As we're given assurance in our heart by the Spirit, 1 John 3, 19-22. We, we know we're the children of God because of the Spirit. The Spirit moves us. We have been given assurance of our eternal life, 1 John 5, 10-13. Do you sit here today and know without a shadow of doubt you're going to heaven? That's one of the most, what's one of the most essential question you need to ask. If you're not sure, you need to make sure you get that. Because you don't want to stand before God Almighty and hear Him say, depart from me before I never knew you. What you want to hear is, well done, good and faithful sir. Enter now into the joy of the Lord. That's, the, that's what we long to hear. God says that there are, that we are joint heirs with Christ. Verse 17. We have become heirs of God. We are promised and inherited among those who are sanctified. Acts 26, 18. Think about that. We are promised and inherited among those who are sanctified. He's telling you you're sanctified. And we are an heir of God through Christ. Not because of Christ, through Christ. What did Jesus tell us? Tell us. He let us think that I am, I am one. The way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except what? Not because of me, through me. Through me. And so, we are an heir 
of God through Jesus Christ. Galatians 4 7. We have become joint heirs with Christ. We have become fellow heirs of His promise through Christ. He made a promise. All who call upon my name will what? They'll be what? Faith. All who call upon my name. And so, uh, so we become fellow heirs of His promise through Christ. Ephesians 3 6. We have the privilege of suffering with Christ. We enter the kingdom of God through much tribulation. Acts 14, 22. How many of us have had, since we came to Christ, have had a steady, easy life? Nobody's hand goes up. I see that. Why is that? If you pray and ask God for patience, what's happening? He says, no. He said, because through patience, you build. Without patience, you come through trials and tribulations. You Huh? And perseverance. And perseverance. That's how you grow in your faith. You know, we pray for God, make my life happy. No, I'm not going to make your life happy. I'm not going to give you the things that make me happy. Because if I do that, you won't be happy. But what I'll do is let you learn to be happy with all things. Remember, he said, times are good, times are bad. I'm happy. I'm content with where I'm at. Are we content in our time? We made, we made the shock of it that caused us not to be content. But can we physically say, look, I'm okay. I'm good. God bless you. I'm alive. You know, that, 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 that's growing in your faith in Christ. You know, uh, and then we get to the point. Father God, let me see people through your eyes. Now you're talking, my son. Now you see. And so you'll start being able to say, this is what I've been trying to get you to do all along. Look at people through my eyes. Ask to see them through my eyes. And then you go and you do what he puts in front of you. Uh, and so uh, we become joint heirs of Christ. We have become fellow heirs of his promise through Christ. We have the privilege of suffering with Christ. We enter the kingdom through the through much tribulation, Acts 14, 22. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. There's a difference. It's because you're being persecuted. It's because the trials and the tribulations are rolling on you. You've not been forsaken because Christ is there. Not only is he there, he's in you. 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 11. We will one day be glorified with Christ. We will one day reign with Christ. You know what happens when you reign with Christ? You get to judge. You know what happens when you judge? And you reign with Christ. You're, you're not in the audience. You're not in the audience. Think about this. The courtroom scene of the great white throne judgment. We're going to be there by the left and the right and behind the throne. We're not going to be in front of the throne. Because if you're in front of the throne, you're in a bad spot. Because they got the books open. And if you're in front of that, your name ain't written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Well, you'd be over there behind the throne. And then this is, like I said, this is where I, my picture, and it's the biblical one, but it could be, I don't know, where they set you down in a chair and you answer the question. And, uh, You're the sheep looking at the goats. Yeah, you're a catapult. You're your last, yeah. your last flight. Swan dive into the lake of fire. Uh, <coughs> I know it kind of making light of it, but it, 
That's going to be a terrible thing. People are going to be screaming and acting and hollering. Uh, not going to be good. Not going to be good. Uh, and so, Second uh, Timothy 2, 10 through 14. We're going to reign with Christ. We're going to have glorified body. We're going to reign with Christ. We're going to live forever with Jesus Christ. Forever. And the persecution and suffering that we see and feel will um, never happen again. And, and there's just think of God not getting any justification for what He's been uh, injured on but all these millennia and all of a sudden during that end of the, it is the dread day dreadful day of the Lord yeah. it's the end of times day it's a single day and it will all happen you know from from the scriptures when they say it just isn't true like they're saying today that the Bible was written by man and he's made these words up and it's it's like a myth right. and guess what every if they haven't read the book they simply haven't seen the truth and all this pulls together we're three verses here there's an eternity of discussion on this and they're there probably will be discussions in eternity. Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, I, I, I get, you know, when we get to eternity, I don't know if we're going to discuss it. We're not, we probably have the knowledge we need, then. Yeah. Well, it says right now we see even though we don't. Yeah. We're, we're, well, where do we see? It's like you said, we're going to burn it up and we're not going to look at the past. Yeah. It's going to be going gone. forward. Yeah. You know, all the questions that I felt that I used to say, I can't wait to meet this person. I can't wait to find that question. And, and, and I had, you know, I used to say, I can't wait to meet Shadrach, Meshach, and Benjamin. What was it like to be in a fire with Jesus? And that night I went to bed and I thought about that and I was dreaming about having a conversation with them. And then they asked me a question that woke me up in a cold sweat. After they answered their question, I don't remember what the answer was because it scared me. The question asked it scared me to say, Tell me what it's like to live with Christ in you. I don't know if I want to ask anybody any question. How do you describe what it's like to live with Christ in you? How do you try that? That's what Paul's trying to do. Yeah, I know what he's trying to do. Hey, hey. He's having a hard time. Well, he's doing a pretty good time. He's doing a better job than Jerry can. But, but the thing is, is how do you, you know, how do you describe to somebody the feeling you felt when you held your first born child? There's not enough words in the in that language to do just when you say, oh, the love, it, it just it's not adequate. It's not. It's not adequate. How do you express? How do you express the feelings when you were accepting Christ? No matter how you explain it, it won't go deep enough, and it won't convey the depth of that feeling. You just, you know, there's the language. There's a language barrier there, and even if you had, if you had control of all, all of the vocabulary, you still couldn't. Because if you used all the vocabulary to put that out there, you would still have to stop and explain to somebody what those words meant. And we lose the whole point. The point is that you can't. How do you how do you 
how do you explain to somebody the feelings you have for somebody saving your life? Because that's what he did. He saved my life. I don't feel that. You want to bust it wide open? And he called me out. Put me in a position, I got in a position where I could hear the word of God, and he kicked me. And I accepted. I knew that, hey, this is me. At the time I accepted it, there was not a force on this earth, I think, that could have held me in that view. I had to get there, and I had to get there now. I wish I still had that girl. I wish I still had that girl. And I kind of tell everybody about Christ and what he's done for me. Man, he's done a lot for me. And so that's what he's talking about here. You know, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit puts things in front of you. He, he puts you in position to serve Him if you got your eyes open. And the problem we have today, and it's I'm guilty of too, is I get distracted by all the shiny things around me rather than seeing what God's got in front of me. And it, it's, uh, sometimes it can be disheartening. And, and I think of this one instance that, that, that happened probably 15 years ago. I had a dream. I spoke to talk to this boy. Tried all the next day to talk to him. Couldn't get him in a spot where I could talk to him because he could never want to buy himself. I tried for three weeks to talk to that boy. Could never get him before I could talk to him. And then the boy moved. So I never got a chance to talk to him. I regret that to this day. I regret that to this day. I should have just, no matter who was there, could just wanted to talk to him. Might not have been good, but it might have been a feed point. He put it on my heart, and I failed. And, uh, and I asked him not to let me do that, and he helped me not to do that again. So I try not. The Lord put something on my heart, I try to take care of it then, because who knows, something may happen to me. Uh, but, and that's what Paul's saying. That's what he's doing here. He's taking this letter, he's sending this to the church. Rick Meyer says it this way, that he states that the purpose that Paul sends this letter off to a quote, in his words, Aquila, uh, from Corinth to Rome, to eventually end up in our hands as faith, love, hope, and life in your day. This ended up in our hands. This is in our church. This isn't, these are mortal words that come off the page of this doctrine in a sense of stopping, but it's also an intimacy in the middle, the middle of breaking out the truth of the Spirit of God and our spirit connecting. Making that connection. What an intimate thing. What God actually puts in this dark clay, this great treasure of this connection of his spirit with ours. Sealed, as you said. Sealed. We're sealed. I mean, you know, so we as Baptists believe that once you're saved, you're always saved. You can't lose your salvation. And if you go to First Corinthians and listen to Paul talk about that, when the guy at the church corner was messed up. 
All right, this dude was doing some bad stuff. They didn't have a turn for it in the end. And so they kicked me, told me, kick him out of the dirt. Kick him out. Don't let him come back in until he repents. Turn him over to his flesh. That maybe Satan can get him to turn back. But he wouldn't lose his salvation. Because he said it. He said, we didn't turn him out for a loss of salvation. We'll turn him out to the flesh. And so, that right there tells him, you can't, you know, God, Jesus says, who God puts in my hands, no man can take out. And that was, I found comfort in that. Because if no man can take you out of God's hands, you can't take you out of God's hands. And so that myth that, that's out there about people committing suicide, they're going to hell because they didn't get to ask for forgiveness. What about the guy that got blown up while a bomb was coming down in a war? He didn't get a chance to repent. If you are saved, you're saved. People that commit suicide have a illness. No so if illness is what keeps you out, then somebody that's got cancer can't get in. Somebody that's got kidney trouble can't get in. Somebody that's got heart trouble can't get in. You, you see what I'm saying? That don't make sense. It doesn't make sense. That's man trying to, trying to usurp the authority of God. And when God told, when Jesus made a statement, who God puts in my hands, no man can take out. You being a man or a woman, when they use man in this sense, it's the human race. Once you're in that hand, you're in that hand. You can't get out. The only way you can get out is the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. The unpardonable sin is what you can reject what you know to be true. Oh, yeah, or take the mark of the beast. Well, if you take the mark of the beast, you reject what you know to be true. Probably not possible. Yeah, it's probably not possible. Yeah, go ahead, John. What do I usually ask? What do I usually ask? Someone who wants to argue about something like that, tell me what you have to do to get lost. Nothing. If you're saved, how can you get lost? And so far, I've never had anybody tell me. Nothing. The only way you can get lost after you're saved is to reject Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. To say that you you have to denounce Jesus Christ, that his death, burial, and resurrection. You have to denounce the Holy Spirit. You have to denounce God and all that was faith, and then you're going to follow Satan. Undo the salvation. Undo the cross. Yeah, undo it all. You've got to reject the whole, the whole ball of life. You, no, you can't. When you know that, when you know that, I don't know how you do it. And here's the other thing. They say, oh, this is just an old bunch of wise tales. How many people do you know will die for a lie? Let me tell you something. Multiple. Matthew was skinned alive. He was skinned a deer. He was skinned alive. So was Andrew on the next cross. Yeah. I mean, you know, all they had to do to save not only them, but their followers and their family was take Christ in jail. And you think somebody's going to hang there and die for a lot? There's not a human being alive that will die for a lot. All they had to do is they go say the word. They word. They cut them loose. They would have cut them loose. The, the whole point that Paul's trying to pull together here is: it's not fear; it's adoption. It's not the duties that you have are the obligation we talked about earlier. There's 
It's therefore, brothers, we have an obligation. These are the duties. He's probably pulling that. Nettis experience of suffering, the experience in this, all these things pulled together is this point of contact, right. point of salvation. Or this, if we can't, you know, tell some, or can't tell somebody that, right. all in one little nutshell, but we should try. We bring the try and let the Holy Spirit do it. But what do you say? Like you say? What do you think we didn't have the Spirit of it? Right, right. The Spirit of fear. The Bible tells us 365 times, fear not. And yet it says fear is the beginning of all wisdom. And yet, so there's a tension. Well, it's there, there, but it's not a tension. What it is, it is there, a, a little bit of fear is healthy. Yes. A little bit of fear is healthy. Well, that's the right kind of fear. Yeah, it's that. It's the right kind of fear. You know, if I know that that dog is going to bite, I ain't going to go over there and mess with it. And not out of being, that's wisdom. Look, I ain't, a, I ain't really a scared dog, but when he got his bristles raised up and he ain't wagging his tail, I ain't messing with him. He's good me know he's serious. I'll back off. But I'm not turning my back on <laughs> But that's the same thing. You know, jumping off a bridge. You think I'm going to jump off a bridge when I can see the rock through the world? No, I ain't doing that. Fear of dying. That's the <laughs> cracking my skull on the rock. No, I ain't doing that. Fear is not, but we, we're talking about the fear of death. Because not knowing where you're going to go, we're talking about fear to be able to say what you need to say. See, that's the problem with the, with our country right now. We have people who are afraid to speak because they think somebody's going to come get in their face. Well, guess what? Let them get in your face. The worst thing in a Christian that can happen to you, the very worst thing that can happen is somebody kill you. And if you die and you are a Christian, absent from the body present with the Lord instantly. None of us want to die. None of us want to know. He gave us the spirit to fight to live. You can't hold your breath long enough for you to die. Well, I know I cry. Because somebody bet me. You get your face turned blue, boom, you're going to breathe. <laughs> Trust me. You can't do it. Your body will not like you to do it. You go underwater. What are you doing? You fight and get to the top. got to have that air. If something falls on you and you can't move, what are you going to do? You're going to fight like the neck and to get it out. You're going to holler and everything else to get somebody to help you. We have a spirit to live. He gave us that spirit. We have a spirit to survive and to fight for life. Once we've accepted Christ, our spirit is also still there to fight for life. But the fight that we have now is to win others to Him. And all you got to do is tell the truth. Tell the truth. You ain't got to go save them. You can't save them. Only the Holy Spirit can save them. All you can do is get them. You're just a priest. You're just a messenger. Holy priesthood. I can your people. All we do is tell them about the good news. It is good news. Think about it. There's good news. There is an ever after. An ever after. And there's going to be an ever after for everybody on this earth. The question is, is where are you going to spend it? You're not going to be reincarnated. I can assure you that. Everyone understands eternity. Everybody yeah, yeah. that. Yeah. They know eternity is forever. And the Bible tells us that this right here, this light is just a vapor. And a vapor is when you strike a match and you blow the fire out, that little puff of smoke comes off the match. That's a vapor. How short is that? Not long. But we're here, the Bible says we can live about 120 years. And if we don't mess around and do what he tells us to do, some of us go before that. 
of us go because we completed the task that God has to do. Some of us hang around because God still got not through with us yet because we've been stubborn not doing what we're supposed to do. You know, Paul is talking about spirit testifying with our spirit. He's talking about the present. The present moment. moment. Now, if we're children, then we are heirs. That's the future. He's wrapping the justification, sanctification, and glorification all in one moment. It's all there. And in his language, it's uh, past, or it's present, because it didn't happen in the past. It's, it's the here and now, what are, what are our obligations? And it's the future. It says that we may also share in his glory. That glory he has, we don't. But, but if we share in that glory, we are resurrected with the glorified bodies. We are, what are the duties? What are the duties? Holiness is a debt that we must be holy as God is holy. We have the talents of Christ in us. We have the talents. What are those talents? Uh, are, are they the one? The five or the ten talents? No, they're ten thousand talents. We're to be like him. We're, we got the talents of Christ. We got ten thousand uh, talents. Three. We are free from sin, so operate like it in the power of this freedom. We are free from sin. Operate like it, and that's the loss of the fear. That's right. Now listen. How did Jesus live his life? That's what we're to do. We must walk daily with we in Him. We, we, you know, it tells us we're to take up our cross daily. But I mean, we're to crucify ourselves daily to take up our cross and follow Him. And by following Him, we live like He did. We, we exhibit the things and the character that He did. Yes, He got angry. Yes, He turned the place up. But it was a righteous anger. When we get angry, it should inspire us. It should inspire us to great things. It should inspire us to rectify wrong. Nobody likes somebody that's being wrong. We are, as Americans, we love the underdog. Jesus loved all of them. All of them. Number five, faith is not an ambition. It's a duty. To separate ourselves from evil is our servant duty. There's another duty, though it's not covered here. Paul's doing it. It's called discipleship of the nations. He's actually doing it. He's sort of rolling it out. Matthew 28. That's our, that's our job. That is our job. We, we present the gospel. But the Holy Spirit does its work. And then we come alongside people. And we mentor them to maturity. So that they can stand in faith and do faith. Called multiplication. Multiplication. You do one, you mentor them, they do one, you go get another. And it keeps multiplying, multiplying, multiplying. Think about, think about all the people that come up further. Thousands. Think about all the people that Billy Graham got to come to the Lord. Now, Billy Graham preached the word. He was obedient to God. But the Holy Spirit was present there and they would come and grow. Billy Graham didn't save a soul. 
Billy Graham preached the word of the good news. The Holy Spirit saved us all. Any questions, any comments? We still hang with Jay Bird? Right on, right on. Exactly. <laughs> I, I just got to go over this. And Karen will want my notes, and so I've got to study before I get Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we love you. We thank you for this day. Lord, we ask you to, to bless this time together. We thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for the ability we have to apply it for our lives. Lord, let us not be asking for what we want for us, but how we can serve you for others. We need to be about advancing your kingdom. Lord, we know the time is short. None of us are promised tomorrow. And we can see by the signs around us that that the birth pains have started and the contractions have started in that. Lord, we just love you. There's rumors of wars and wars and Lord, we just know that there's not as much time now as there has been and the door to the ark of salvation is going to close. God, give us the ability to be able to draw some to your kingdom for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.